Today is Sunday, the 2nd of January, 2022. You're listening to Observer Radio's Year in Review, which is being presented here on The Big Issues on Observer Radio 91.1 FM. On the third part of this year's Year in Review, uh, we're having a discussion with doctors about their reflections on the year 2021 and the fight against COVID-19. Uh, we're happy to be joined this afternoon for this discussion by uh, the Chief Medical Officer here in Antigua and Barbuda, Dr. Rhonda Seeley-Thomas, who joins us on Zoom. Um, uh, and I will ask both our guests on Zoom to unmute their microphones at this point. Uh, but the Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Rhonda Seeley-Thomas, joins us on Zoom. Um, good afternoon to you, uh, Dr. Seeley-Thomas. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Mr. Murdoch. Good afternoon to your listeners and the other panelists. And may I use this opportunity to wish all of you a happy new year as well. And we are, and, and thank you, same to you as well. Uh, and we are joined as well by Dr. Siobhan Bell Jarvis, a pediatrician and head of the pediatric unit at the uh, Lester Bird Medical Center. Uh, good afternoon to you, uh, Dr. Siobhan Bell Jarvis. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Mr. Murda. Thank you for having me here today. Good afternoon, Dr. Silly Thomas and all listeners. Happy New Year to all. Now, I am actually, um, I'm rather delighted that uh, uh, both of you were able to join us this afternoon because um, there is a perspective uh, that persons who are uh, very much a part of the management and the fight uh, and the, the design and the implementation of our, our public health strategy against COVID-19 will have uh, that the rest of us uh, will not uh, always be aware of. Uh, so I, I, I definitely wanted to get a, a perspective uh, uh, this afternoon on the year and having come to the end of the year, uh, what lessons uh, have been learned and what lessons you think the people uh, ought to take away from 2021. So if I could begin with Dr. Rhonda Seeley-Thomas. Um, well, I would ask our current COVID situation in Antigua and Barbuda, um, are you uh, satisfied with where we are in terms of our, our, our vaccination, in terms of uh, what our case numbers are right now and how we've gotten to this point? Good afternoon once again. And um, yes, um, 2021 was certainly a challenging one for us with regard to COVID-19. Um, for 2021, we, we, we ended 2020 with having had 160 cases and we started in the new year in 2021 with a surge. And for so far for 2021, we've had 4,078 cases, 25 times more what we had in 2020. So it certainly was a challenge for us in the Ministry of Health, at the hospital, all the healthcare and frontline workers who had to deal with that increase in the number of cases. In 2021 as well, we had two surges of COVID-19. The first one was in, um, was in, started in January and then in about April. And then the second one started in July and ended in November. And those um, were challenging as well. Fortunately for us in Antigua and Barbuda, we were able to start our vaccination program in February, and we—I think that was very successful. I think that was is one has been one of our successes in 2021, having had to date 58,000 over 58,000 persons fully vaccinated, and in fact, we're leading in the Eastern Caribbean with regard to our vaccination stats. Lessons learned: COVID-19 is COVID disease is not going anywhere right now. We have to learn to live with COVID-19, we have to recognize that the public health and social measures that have been instituted, the wearing of masks, hand washing, physical and social distancing, those work, vaccination, those work, and those are the ones that we have to continue to use going forward in order to fight COVID. Another lesson that has been learned is that COVID-19 or the SARS-CoV, the virus that causes SARS, 
um, COVID-19 disease is very adaptable. It's doing what, what variants or what viruses do very well. It's adapting, it's mutating, it's trying to stay alive and it's trying to combat, combat all those measures that we are putting in place. And we have to fight back with the public health measures to make sure that SARS-CoV and COVID-19 does not get beyond us. Uh, and Dr. Siobhan Bell-Jarvis, uh, your take, uh, where we are right now and um, how we got here, your reflections. Uh, are you satisfied with where we are and um, what lessons do you think that we ought to, to have at this point? So, you know, Mr. Maddock, I think I'd use three words to describe uh, 2021. I'd up to use the words of challenges, victories and opportunities. So as it relates to challenges, I think we really fought with misinformation. Um, and that was probably one of the most significant fights that we've had in quite a long time, because if you are misinformed, it makes it more difficult for you to um, adjust practice and embrace that which is recommended. We also faced um, hesitancy in terms of vaccination. So again, for some persons, they, you know, deem that, okay, this was something that came about too quickly. Should we really get vaccinated? So vaccine hesitancy was another challenge. I also want to look at the challenge of hesitancy as it relates to access of healthcare services. And this is something that is often overlooked. So many persons, and I usually speak from the pediatric perspective, would have had a fear of coming out into the public space. And so we recognize that many persons would miss, you know, wellness visits and likewise would sort of be more cautious in coming out when ill. And so both urgent and non-urgent care um, were so sort of you know put on the back burner, which therefore meant that persons presented a lot later, not only for COVID, but non-COVID related illnesses, which meant that as healthcare providers, many a times we had a lot more work. We recognize as well visitation and even our outpatient clinics would have been negatively impacted. We had to curtail visitation on NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, for example. And you can imagine how difficult it might have been for parents to be separated from their newborn. But we had to really protect the vulnerable groups. And then we have to look at the whole issue of social and educational dwarfism. So you know that as children, in terms of development, social interaction is very important and that had to be limited. And so, you know, looking down the line, we really have to see what the impact on our children's development will be. So those are some of the challenges that we would have faced. Um, victories, I would say that it helped to see how resilient the healthcare professionals were, all our frontliners, the dedication, that was definitely evident. Um, creativity had to come to the fore. So even though many a times our outpatient clinics were closed, we opted to call our patients have their prescriptions written so that they could come and pick them up because what we did not want is for our non-communicable illnesses to spiral out of control. And we even had to do even like FaceTime or WhatsApp call, video calls for our parents to see their babies while we updated them. So creativity came to the fore. Dedication was definitely evident. And in terms of opportunities, I think it helps us to see um, where we can go in 2022 and beyond in a post-pandemic era, 
um, the word community definitely is something that comes to mind um, where we all have to pull together. Responsibility, which I heard in the previous discussion, definitely comes to mind. And we have to build our healthcare system, both the infrastructure physically as well as human resource, so that we can continue to be resilient for any pandemic that we face. Uh, and Dr. Seely Thomas, uh, as we move into 2022, um, reflecting on 2021, where would you want to see improvements in our healthcare system? I mean, if you if, if you were able to anything off the top of your head as you reflect on uh, how the healthcare system is able to fare in twenty twenty one, where would you want to see improvements in twenty twenty two, if any? Right. So in twenty twenty two, I'd want us to continue to build on some of the infrastructure, the programs, and the systems we would have put in place for COVID nineteen, for example. Although we had an epidemiology unit before COVID-19 started, we strengthened that by having more persons come in or being in, in employed in the, in the unit. We've had more contact tracers, we've had more training, we've more, had more equipment and so forth. And I want to build on that so that um, we continue to deal with COVID-19 and other communicable diseases and, 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 and ha really have a very strong epidemiology unit going forward. In terms of um, improvements as well, uh, when COVID-19 started, we we were limited in, in the screening and the public health functions we could perform at the VC uh, Bird International Airport. What we've um, been able to accomplish since COVID-19 is that we have a full-fledged public health office fully staffed at the VC Bird International Airport. And I would want to build on that, expand on it, and uh, make sure that we're able to prevent any um, future viruses or any future diseases coming in at that um, at that facility. And we want to duplicate what we have at the VC Bird International Airport at our ports of entry, um, at least the, the, the very um, well-established ones. Um, I also want to, in 2022, have the senior technicians in the Ministry of Health focus on some of those areas that we had to uh, for want of a better term, put on the back burner because of COVID-19. Um, national health insurance is something we had been working on in the ministry that we had to put up some a pause on because of COVID-19 and because of the consultants who were working with us had to go back to Trinidad. I'm hoping that in 2022, we can carve out some space and really dedicate um, more of our efforts in um, establishing national health insurance in Antigua and Barbuda because that I think will definitely boost our health system. And those are some of the areas uh, I can think of right now that I'd really like to see us work on in 2022. Um, of course, there are other areas like legislation. We're working on our Mental Health Act that is outdated. We need to improve on that. We need to um, improve our community health system. We want to um, restructure it. We want to make sure that our new polyclinics are up and functioning so that we can provide more services to, um, to, to the public. As Dr. Bell Jarvis says, we have to become resilient, um, learn from the lesson, learn lessons from COVID-19, and in going forward, have a parallel system that can continue to function, and um, so that we can deal with a pandemic while dealing with the other um, problems that we have in country. And of course, we have to continue to build on our health workforce in terms of training, um, building their capacity and making sure they are resilient as well to deal with whatever comes before us. Uh, and uh, Dr. Siobhan Bell-Jarvis, on the issue of frontline burnout, which uh, was a, a, an interesting uh, 
uh, viewpoint that we got from a lot of persons we spoke to. And when I say persons, I mean uh, frontline persons. We spoke to nurses. We spoke to police officers specifically. Um, I'm curious as to whether you saw some of that yourself in the course of the year, uh, persons around you, or even personally, uh, that that feeling of just being totally exhausted and having gone for so long in terms of uh, uh, you know doing the job. Um, your reflections on that burnout in 2021. Sure. So what we find in smaller island states is that you have a challenge with human resource. And many times you are basically accessing staff members from the same pool to do varied tasks. And so it became very evident, not only personally, but especially in departments such as the epidemiology unit, the emergency room, the medical floor, the intensive care unit, you know, persons working within the laboratory, the pharmacy, these persons became overwhelmed. And mind you, remember you have COVID and non-COVID related illnesses, and many of our staff members were affected by either. And so absenteeism because of illness, that was one significant issue. Likewise, having to have reallocations because of persons being ill, it caused a significant challenge. What I must applaud the Ministry of Health on, though, is making available um, social workers, psychologists, persons who were available to speak to us in terms of our mental health. But I think definitely building the human resource pool so that we can diversify instead of utilizing the same persons across um, you know, varied specialties would help a great deal. Uh, and I would I would want to get from both our panelists, um, and, I, and I want to encourage you to be totally frank uh, on this on this question. Um, what advice would you have for the media uh, in terms of 2021? I mean, um, in terms of how you feel the the media in general uh, in Antigua and Barbuda uh, has worked with or not worked with um, the public health authorities in 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 spreading correct information, um, in, in not disseminating falsehoods and so on, um, and in really sort of participating uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a wholesome strategy of disseminating correct and vital information in the public interest. Um, Dr. Rhonda Seeley-Thomas, I'll ask you first, what comments, what reflections, or what advice would you have for the media as we go forward into 2022? Well, thanks for that question, Mr. Murdoch. Let me start by thanking the media for um, working with the Ministry of Health in getting information um, to the public um, and correct information. I, I think the media has a very important role to play in getting that information to the public and also a very important role in getting information to us as to how um, persons actually feel, what information they need. So it's a two-way street. You carry information from us to the public and you give us some of the information that we need to um, understand how the public feels and what information they need, what advice they need. The important thing is that the information must be correct. So I would really um, want the, the media to continue to work with us to make sure that the correct information gets out there. And also I would like the media not to promote false information so that it's, it's carried forward sometimes false information as if it's coming from an authority when it's not and that it does, does, does harm to the public. So carrying the correct information, making sure that false information is not propagated and um, giving a very um, unbiased and fair 
assessment and reporting of what of the incidents that would have occurred. And I think, um, you know, that's what I would like to see going forward. The media is very, very important and in any society. And I think we only benefit when the media, government officials, Ministry of Health and the public work together in a harmonious way for the best of everyone. And Dr. Siobhan Bell-Jarvis, uh, your reflections on, on how the media has um, you know, handled COVID-19 information, even misinformation this year, and what you'd want to see happen in 2022? You know, I concur with Dr. Rhonda Silly thomas um, Of course, being thankful for the media, because that is how we get information out, and that is how we also receive information. Um, my concern, frankly, you know, would be that, of course, many media houses, we're trying to see, okay, who can sell the best story? Who can have the best headline? And sometimes what is said by healthcare professionals um, is sometimes misconstrued. Um, and, uh, you know, it really does not represent well. And it, as Dr. Wanderthi Thomas would have rightly said, we want fact-checking to take place. Verify that the information is factual before sharing. It's not just about the headline or getting the quickest story out, but ensuring that you're not going to unnecessarily stimulate fear, that you're not just coming across to be sensational, but rather your aim is to educate the public as best as is possible. So going forward to 2022, I look forward to a continued partnership where we're looking forward to the best interest of all parties involved, especially the public. And I'm hoping that we also utilize the media as a means of education. I think um, that came to the fore quite well in 2021, where we got a lot of um, interviews in, you know, a lot of call-in sessions. These are very important. I think education needs to continue in 2022, not only about COVID, but non-COVID related issues as we strive to improve healthcare in Antigua and Barbuda. Okay. Um, Dr. Wanda Seeley Thomas, uh, it, it has been an issue throughout the, the year in terms of, um, well, in, in terms of how we, we, we deal with the hesitancy and uh, this, I, I should say the skeptics, really. Um, the issue of whether or not we have had any serious uh, adverse events, uh, and I'm not sure if I'm using the right technical terminology, um, in terms of vaccination, I mean, of course, there's the, the standard things that everyone will have, you know, whether you get headaches and fevers and chills and so on. That's a standard reaction. But whether or not we've had any uh, very serious adverse reactions, um, and I don't know the extent to which uh, it has been said or not said whether or not we have or, or, or had not had such events. Um, is there any light that you could shed on that uh, at this point? Yes, certainly. So when we started our vaccination program in February of 2021, we started a parallel system of monitoring for adverse events. Uh, we, well, we, we've been given vaccines in Antigua for a very long time now, and we have a system of, um, for recording adverse events. So what it is we did is that we improved on that, and um, we have not recorded any very severe adverse events um, so far. Um, persons have the opportunity. We've had a hotline, we've had the emergency room, we've had private physicians. Um, those are the uh, mechanisms whereby persons have been able to report adverse events and some of them, if serious or warranting follow-up, have been followed up by our physicians in the ER or physicians in, our, in the public and private sectors. And we have not had any very serious adverse events in Antigua and Barbuda so far. 
Uh, and uh, Dr. Siobhan Bell-Jarvis, we are winding down on this segment. Um, I just want to ask you, uh, vaccination, how, how important is it that we... Oh, well, what would you like to see happen with vaccination as we go forward into 2022? Well, definitely, we have recognized that vaccination is something that is key. It has basically been a public health victory over the past years to include our childhood immunizations. And so I'll answer this question twofold, both three COVID vaccines and our regular childhood immunizations. So I'd like to see in 2022 and beyond that, you know, we improve where our vaccine hesitancy is concerned. Um, I think we have enough information now to say that the COVID-19 vaccines um, are safe and that they actually optimize our potential in fighting against COVID-19. Um, I'd like to see us look at those who have fears, look at why they're fearful and strive to address those concerns so that we can continue to have an increase in our uptake. I'd like to also see us to continue to um, educate the public so that we can also move into our boosters, um, where we know that we're recommending that persons do receive their boosters once they've passed six months post their second dose. Um, likewise, I'd like to see us emphasize the need to continue our childhood immunizations because some persons, because they're fearful regarding the COVID-19 vaccine, then they're a bit hesitant in terms of continuing their children in receiving the childhood immunization. So we want to continue to see the good yield that we've had over the years. I think Antigua and Barbuda has a good history in terms of our childhood immunizations and we like to keep it that way. And I think once we work on both COVID-19 vaccines and childhood immunizations, we'll definitely be in the right realm. I want to see us to reach that 80%, 80,000 persons in Antigua and Barbuda being fully vaccinated. And I'm speaking to those who are eligible. I'd also like to see the adults lead by example, right? Because again, if you have an adult population that is protected, then our children will also be protected. Uh, and Dr. Rhonda Seeley Thomas, uh, in terms of 2022, uh, what would you um, want to leave us with? Uh, what 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 lessons, specifically for the public? Um, if you reflect on uh, the year that has just passed, the ups and downs. I mean, we have had, of course, uh, uh, many persons have lost their lives due to COVID-19. Um, as we go into 2022, uh, what message would you want to leave the public with at this point? At one day. The, the public to continue to work with the Ministry of Health. We are going to continue to strengthen our programs, our policies, the infrastructure, continue to support and improve on our um, the health workforce to fight, to fight COVID-19. But I want to call on the public um, out there, something that was mentioned in the previous discussion about responsibility. We all have a responsibility towards um, in, in preventing and controlling COVID-19 personal responsibility, wear your mask properly, wash your hands, practice social and physical distancing, um, get vaccinated. Dr. Beljavis just mentioned 80,000 persons vaccinated. That would give us the um, herd immunity that we need that protect the vulnerable ones who um, can't get vaccinated. Get your booster shots. We've had five vaccines available in Antigua and Barbuda at multiple vaccination sites. Um, free of cost and a uh, wide choice for persons. And I want persons to get vaccinated and get boosters. Omicron is just around the corner, if not right here with us. We are waiting um, confirmation from the Caribbean Public Health Agency for Omicron. I expect that uh, the results that we would get back would show Omicron being here. 
and we know that it is more transmissible, persons need to get vaccinated to um, control Omicron. And if I may, Mr. Murdoch, I want to say something about Omicron and variants and viruses. Since COVID-19 came around, we've seen many variants of concern and variants of interest. We've had four variants of concern identified in Antigua and Barbuda um, that were responsible, two of them responsible for the two surges we saw last year. The SARS-CoV-2 virus is very, very smart. When the virus is transmitted, when it's from one person to another, that's when it, it mutates. Omicron has increased transmissibility. It's not as severe, it doesn't cause as uh, severe disease as Delta or other variants, but that transmissibility gives it the opportunity to mutate even further. And my fear for 2022 is that we're going to see a variant that is as transmissible as Omicron, but more deadly than Delta. And that is something that we have to prevent by reducing the transmissibility, by wearing our masks, personal responsibility, washing our hands, practicing cough and, and, and sneeze etiquette, keeping away from crowds, that physical distancing, resisting the urge to hug, resisting the urge to go to that party, to go to that bar. Because as Omicron is transmitted, we give it the opportunity to mutate further. And it gives it the opportunity to develop the ability to be more deadly. And that's my fear for 2022, that we are faced with a variant that is as transmissible as Omicron, but more deadly. All right. Then we're going to see more cases, more hospitalizations and more deaths. So please, personal responsibility in the public health and social measures that we know that work. And please get vaccinated, get your boosters. All right. And with that, I think we can leave this discussion here. I want to uh, say a big thank you to both of our guests for joining us this afternoon, Dr. Rhonda Seely Thomas, the Chief Medical Officer here in Antigua and Barbuda, and also to Dr. Siobhan Bell-Jarvis, Pediatrician and Head of the Pediatric Unit at the Lesterbird Medical Center. Uh, thanks to both of you and uh, Happy New Year. Sorry, Mr. Murdoch? Yes, yes, indeed. If I may, I, I need to put a, a very important plug in. No problem. Um, yeah. Because my fear, my fear beyond 2022 is that we're going to see a spiral downwards in terms of our chronic illnesses. We're also going to see our most vulnerable being significantly impacted in terms of education and social illnesses, right? And so my appeal to the public at this point in time is that you do not neglect your health. Optimize what you're able to um, do in terms of your exercise, right? We're seeing an increase in terms of our obesity rates in children, um, in terms of your food choices, right? And ensure that you control the chronic illnesses by taking your medications as prescribed. Do not miss out on your wellness visits. Very important because while COVID does exist, our non-communicable diseases also exist. And if we're not careful, we may, yes, win the victory with COVID, but then we'll end up with having a very unhealthy population. So let us remember 
our chronic illnesses, let us control them and let us make healthy choices. And with that, uh, we say thank you, as I said, to both our guests, um, Dr. Siobhan Bell-Jarvis and Dr. Rhonda Seeley-Thomas. Uh, I'm really happy you were able, both of you, to join us this afternoon. Thank you. Sure.